Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fabulous Women Over 40, where we curate conscious conversations with women and men who are impacting the world. I am your host, Kara Allen, celebrity stylist and personal brand image consultant. And today, my guest is best-selling author, financial therapist, teacher, and wealth coach. I present the fabulous Barbara Houston. Hey, Barbara, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. It's so good to talk to you. It is. It's so glad that we could get through all of our technical difficulties today. (laughs) (laughs) So we just got to roll with it. Okay. So I read your book, Prince Charming Isn't Coming, some years ago, and Secrets of Six-Figure Women. And I love them so much. So when I was in Regina, her mastery program, and I, I didn't get to meet you there, but you were on stage. And after that, you had more books that I bought, Overcoming Under Earning, Sacred Success, and I recently bought Rewire for Wealth. So I am a huge fan. I love everything Aww. that you're doing, and you're just the best. So Thank you. Thank you, and my publisher thanks you. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you. I've recommended your books to so many people, and I'm sure they've changed other people's lives besides myself. So we appreciate having you. <laughs> Thank you. That's sweet of you to say that. Of Thank course. You. Of course. So tell me about your family and how was it growing up with the, the half of the H&R Block that we know of the tax gurus. Uh, how was that for you? Uh, it was. It was. Um, it was great. I mean, I had a great upbringing. My father was the R of H and R Block, and he he did not believe that women should make or manage money. Mm. And the only advice he ever gave me about money was, "Don't worry." Which I thought was great <laughs> advice. I didn't want to worry. I just wanted to spend it. Right. And I married a man who was. Uh, who was a, um, a, a stockbroker, so he was perfect. But what I found out very early in my marriage is that he was a compulsive gambler. And every year I find out many times a year that he was gambling my money, my inheritance away. And I continued to let him manage the money for 15 years because that's how terrified I was and intimidated mm. by anything financial. Finally, after 15 years, we got a divorce. And I just decided money is not my thing. I just didn't want to deal with money. But the universe had other plans for me. <laughs> and I got I got tax bills for way over a million, almost $2 million for back taxes my ex didn't pay for illegal deals he got us in. I did not have anywhere close to that, not even close. My wow. ex had left the country. My father wouldn't lend me the money. I had three daughters. <laughs> three daughters one was just they were young and one was just a baby I was not going to raise them on the street so I I went to classes I read the books you know I did all the things you're supposed to do my my eyes would glaze over my brain would fog up I just felt just terminally stupid but but I was committed I was committed I was like this mama bear I couldn't do it for me but I could I had to do it for my kids and I swear, I swear, Kara, I believe that when you are committed, like a down to your toes, no backdoor commitment, the universe revolves to help you reach your goal. So at the time, I was a, a journalist writing for the San Francisco Business Times, and I was hired for a writing project to interview women who were smart with money. <laughs> and though I know, those, it, it, it was amazing. Those interviews 
changed my life. I not only got smart about money, but I wrote my first book, Prince Charming Isn't Coming. How women get smart about money, and suddenly I had this whole new career. I was traveling around the country doing financial education for women, but I couldn't make money. Wow. So I decided to interview women who made a lot of money, and I started making six figures before I even finished writing my next book, Secrets of Six Figure Women. And now, seven books later, here I am talking to you as a financial expert. Wow, that is so... You can't even make that up. Like, Could not make that up. <laughs> Like the synchronicity of everything is everything there. I don't even know what else to say. But so when you were interviewing these women, what was the common theme you found with them and their ability or their mindsets around making, spending, saving, investing money? What I realized, it wasn't, this, this was, this was really what changed it for me. This is what shifted everything. I realized it wasn't what they were doing. It was how they were thinking. Mm. And when I changed my thinking, that's changed everything. I realized they had each come to a series of realizations. There were seven in all. And when I incorporated those realizations into my thinking, that's when I, my behavior changed completely. It just, it's like the veils lifted. And I know the first realization, one of the big ones for me, is they all said, no one's going to do this for me. They all came to a point where they said to themselves, some form of Prince Charming isn't coming. Mm -hmm. If this is to be, it's up to me. And I think, I really believe that harboring, so many women harbor a rescue fantasy, and it may not even be a man. It could be just something we think will save us financially, Some something, I don't know, anything. When giving up that rescue fantasy is the most important decision that we can ever make. And that's when things started taking off for me. Wow, I love that. That's definitely, <laughs> that's the whole premise of your first book for sure. Yes, hmm. it is. So then after you started making more money, how did you figure out how to really, since you didn't have any formal education around it or like even you know even though you took all the classes and all the things how did you learn how to start investing and saving and things like that well when i well what happened is as i was doing these interviews and i realized okay no one's going to save me not not an inheritance not a man not a job nothing's going to save me I really, I kind of did a shift, mm -hmm. but I knew I had to do it. And so listening to these women, how they w got smart about money, because no one pops out of the womb knowing how to invest or knowing how to manage money. <laughs> no. Hearing how they did it really enabled me to adopt what they did and move on from there. So I did. I So after that, I was able to read. I was able to, to take classes. I was able to talk to people. And, and I, what, what I did is, I remember how many of them that I was interviewing subscribed to the Wall Street Journal. Mm. So I subscribed to the Wall Street Journal. Mm -hmm. Well, I couldn't understand a word it said. That sucker comes every day. <laughs> I could never read it. So I did something really smart. I started doing three things that turned it around. So every day I'd read something about money. Maybe I would just put 
the Wall Street Journal on the kitchen counter, or, and I just walk by it. I call it the Osmosis School of Learning, and mm. I just glance at it. Honestly, it's familiarizing yourself with the jargon, with the current trends. So every day I read something about money. And then the second thing I did is I started talking. These women taught me so much. So every time I'd meet somebody, I'd ask them how they, who was who smart about money. Right. I'd ask them how they got smart. And I think it's our women, we don't talk about money. We'll moan and groan about it. But, you know, when's the last time you went out to lunch or went out to tea with a, a friend or a colleague or a family member and said, how did you get smart? What did you do? What, what was the best advice someone gave you? What, what was the worst mistakes you made? What advice would you have for me? And so I just started talking and reading and talking. I started noticing after about four or five months, I started understanding more and more. Mm. And then I, the third thing I started doing is I started putting aside automatic. I started set up this automatic investing. And I had just a small amount transferred my checking account to my savings account every month. And what I realized is you don't miss what you don't see. Mm -hmm. So by reading every day, by talking every week, and by saving small amounts every month, I was amazed at how quickly I progressed because I realized it's small steps consistently taken that lead to remarkable results. Yeah, that's, <clears throat> that makes so much sense. And man, yeah, because you don't miss what you don't see for one, <laughs> you know, just putting it away before you even get the chance to spend it or do anything with it makes a lot of difference. And right. so with, now, and I know we talked, you talked about this with Regina when we were in mom, in her mastery program, and she talked about how her husband had kind of similar things, right? Had, had, had some tax bills and things like that. So I know that most women don't necessarily want to talk about with their, it's sort of a taboo thing, right? To talk about your money. Like people don't want to say how much they make or what, but it makes sense to talk about, well, how did you get smart about money? Because that's less pervasive or less, you know, whatever, because you're not talking about how much you make or whatever per se, right. but getting, right. having an understanding of like, well, how do you know how to spend your money or save it or where to invest it and things like that? That's a conversation. And probably more often we should do that, I would think. <laughs> and, and what I found is that people were so open and willing to share. People love to help. Mm -hmm. People are very... For the most part, people are very generous with their stories and sharing their knowledge and their experience and their skills. And so it was it was extremely helpful for me. I love that. And so now that we're in the middle of, you know, an interesting <laughs> financial situation in the in this country, what would you say for women now, like especially women who are single moms or, you know, and that are entrepreneurs? I don't care if they're single moms, if they're no moms, if they're <laughs> old, if they're young. I don't care. It's because let me tell you, it's getting people say, oh, I don't care about money. I don't care about money. It's not about money. This is what I realized. So I've been doing this for 30 years. And I realized 30 years ago, as I started interviewing these women, that women's difficulties, their issues with money, have very little, if anything, to do with money. Mm -hmm. It has everything to do with their fear of or ambivalence about power. Interesting. Because I believe we don't understand 
power from a feminine perspective. Mm-hmm. And my definition of power is a powerful woman is someone who knows who she is, who knows what she wants, and expresses that in the world unapologetically. So essentially, our fear of power is our fear of becoming all we can be. Because mm. what it is, we need to become a container that can attract, that can hold, can keep and grow our wealth. And so if you look at it, if you look at any problem with money, if you look at any issue in a relationship with money, you will see it isn't really about money. It is about power. It's about who you have to become. And I think that's what scares women. Mm. So how would you suggest women get over that? Like, what's the first step of claiming your power, you know, around money or just in general, anything, but especially around money? Because, you know, if you're somebody who doesn't, again, you're not relying on a man or inheritance or whatever, you just want to be powerful around money. Even if you are relying on a man and even if you have an inheritance, it's really important to understand it because Money, I mean, money is the basic building block of life. We, we depend on money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not the money. It's what money allows us to do. It allows us, it, would, it, helps, to, it helps us to have a better life. We Imagine the things we can do from our, the people we love and the causes we feel, we feel really passionate about. Mm-hmm. So the first thing, if really women want to take their power back, it starts by asking themselves what I call the power question. And the power question is, what do I want? Not what does my husband want or my children want or my parents want or does this culture want? Not what should I want, what ought I I do? No, it's what do I want? And you start there and you look at really what you want. And then the second step is you, the key, after getting what you want, it's the willingness to do what you fear. Because mm. success in anything, I don't care if it's making more money or losing more weight, it always lies just outside your comfort zone. So you ask yourself, what do I want? You you look at what you're scared to do as you realize that. And then you stretch. You stretch. You do what feels, I don't know, scary, impossible to to what, to what, yeah, to what seems impossible. Mm-hmm. You step outside your comfort zone. And the third part of that is you get support. Right. You get support from people who are cheering you on and you really distance yourself from the naysayers, from the pessimists, from the worry wards, from the people, not, they're not bad people, but they're scared and they'll try to hold you back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, often a lot of people are saying what they can't do, not what you can't do <laughs> when they're talking about things. There you go. I have definitely learned that. So if someone comes to you and they want to work with you in the in the vein of the financial therapist or wealth coach, is that what that looks like? You start with them kind of asking about their history. Like, what would that be like to work with you as a, a financial therapist or wealth coach? But the first thing I do is I ask them the power question, what do you want? Mm-hmm. And I, we get very clear on what their goals are, what needs to happen in our work together for them to say, oh my God, I got everything I wanted. This was just fabulous. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we get very clear on what they want and then we look at what is stopping them. And not necessarily anything tangible, it's usually something intangible, like a belief, a fear, uh, 
some past experience that has jaded them, has, has hurt them. So we look at what is keeping them from it and uh, what they need to do to get to where they want to go. Hmm. And so how often is it that, how simple or how hard is it? Like say, I don't know, if somebody just had this, they grew up in a house where the parent was constantly telling them, oh, money doesn't grow on trees, you know, like that belief of like, you have to work hard for money and like all of that. How easy is it yeah, to overcome those things? That, that's a big part of the work is to look at how you have been conditioned. Mm -hmm. What are the messages you receive from your family, from the teachers, from the church, from the culture in general? What are those messages that aren't serving you? Some of them are serving you. Some of those beliefs are healthy beliefs. Mm -hmm. But the ones that aren't serving, we look on where those came from and, and how to shift the belief to what you want. As Henry Ford said, believe you can, believe you can't, either way you'll be right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so here's the thing. I really rarely do individual coaching anymore, financial therapy. Mm -hmm. I only work with groups. And out of those groups, out of the in the group then i can do their the financial therapy with the group because something happens and there's been a lot of research done on this something happens when women are in women only groups around finances mm -hmm. it expedites their learning process interesting that there's something about in a woman only group women learn better there's actually they've been done studies that when they're talking about that there's a part of their brain that, that lights up and makes it easier to learn about money when they have that kind of support. Interesting. Yeah. So I, so I love, I have a, a, what I call, it's called the Wealth Connection. It's an online community mm -hmm. of women supporting women. And I created about five years ago because I wanted a safe place where women could talk openly and honestly and vulnerably about money because we talk about money very differently than men talk yes. about money when they get together. <laughs> we do. <laughs> we, you know we do. And so this has been going on for about four or five years and the progress has been so quick for the members in there. It's been so fast. Hmm. So I'm really fascinated by how being in a group, if you see, you're not alone. You're the, not the only one feeling this way. Because I know when I was going through my money stuff, I was sure I was the only one who right. felt this way. Yeah. And then you watch what others do to make progress. And it's very inspiring. And, you, and they hold you accountable, which is really important. So uh, one of the things I would tell people to do is get in a group where you can talk about money as women and be educated and that you can can be coached and counseled to get past those, those unhealthy maladaptive beliefs. Mm -hmm. Do you, from your perspective, having grown up with a father who was kind of like, "Oh, don't worry about money," is that what a lot of women's issues had been? In, in, in not necessarily. No, no. Um, one of the biggest issues, I think, is just fear. Yeah. Their fear of surpassing their family mm. in, in wealth, their fear of failing, their fear of succeeding, mm -hmm. their fear of not being liked. Uh, if they have money and their friends don't, they're just, it's really getting people past their fear. It was getting me past my fear for sure. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. Fear is a <laughs> big thing. Um, wow. That makes sense, though. I mean, I, I, but that's something that, again, most women don't talk about. They don't talk about being scared of managing money or having too much or what people will think of them. It's not a general uh, conversation. Yeah, they do. Oh, really? Well, I guess they do to me. Well, yeah. I, I mean, in your... <laughs> no, went, women don't talk about money. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean... We don't talk about money. It's something... Like, I just, I just came from getting my hair cut. And um, she asked what I did. It's a new hairdress. And I told her what I did. She goes, oh, I, I hate money. It's boring. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, that's how a lot of women are. Yeah. And in, it's... But I have to say, something happened in the during the 2007, 8, 9, that great recession. Mm -hmm. Women started realizing they needed to learn. They needed to understand money. And so more women today understand that. They just don't understand how to get there. That's, yeah. Because I know what I, I went to, uh, you're familiar with Landmark Education? Oh, oh man, I've done Landmark. Oh, that's so cool. So I've gone all the way through Landmark up to their uh, leadership program, but I took their money seminar. And so one of the things that I learned in there was you had to go talk to your parents about money and your grandparents if they're still alive. And so the interesting thing was I went and talked to both my mom and my dad and both of them said, oh, money was, you know, tough for us. It didn't seem like we ever had enough, blah, blah, blah. But then my dad said when he looked at it from an older perspective, he thought, hmm, when I, my, I actually wasn't poor, I didn't, I did have money or whatever. My mother felt like it was never there, but then her father felt like he never had a problem with it. And it was so interesting, the intergenerational thing, because my great-grandparents owned a restaurant in downtown Baltimore during the war, and so they made a lot of money with that. So it's just interesting how, you know... So, Kara, you pick up how, when you talk to them about that, how did that impact you? What did you learn from it or discover? Well, I knew I always had the entrepreneurial kind of spirit since I was a kid because I just liked ha coming up with ideas on how to solve problems for people. So that was always in my space, whereas my parents have always been like, oh, work for, you know, you get an education, you work for a company for 30 years, you retire. They're in that, you know, in industrial kind of mindset where I'm more of like, no, I want to solve problems. I want to be my own boss. I know I don't like showing up to, you know, somebody's telling me I got to be here at eight o'clock in the morning or whatever. And then to hear my grandfather say how he thought about money, it was just very interesting. So I was like, hmm, maybe that's why I've got these mixed messages about, you know, I can make it sometimes, but then it, it'll go away or I make a lot of it. And then it's like, uh, you know, thing, it's inconsistent. So, so you can see how their belief affected me towards money mm -hmm. has affected you. Yeah. Even with your entrepreneurial spirit, even though you were different, you're not getting this nine to five for 30 years and no. getting a gold watch at the end no. <laughs> still has affected you. And that's the work. That's the work of wealth. It's understanding how those conditioned responses, those can we've been conditioned by our families, by our culture, by the what, understanding how that has affected you. And the good news is you can change the conditioning. You can change those beliefs. 
Yes, and I aim to, and especially for my children, I want to leave a better legacy for my children and my grandchildren that they don't feel like that money is some, you know, thing that they have to sweat and work and die for, <laughs> you know. So, let me ask you, um, I don't mean to change the roles here, but I'm very oh, curious because sure. I think you're a perfect example. How have you been changing those beliefs? How well, have you been working on that? So I've been reading more about, you know, all the, I've read all of your books, but then I've read other books. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with like Abraham Hicks and all those things, asking it is given, like changing the subconsciousness about how you view money and that is just an energy. And it's not like, oh, you have to, you know, work 90 hours <laughs> and wear yourself out to have success and money and things. And taking that money seminar really changed it. Cause I was like, oh, okay. I want to have this, I want to triple my income, but I don't, not, not thinking about any particular way that I have to do it. I want this amount. I want to pay off this bill, blah, blah, blah. And it was wild because within three or four months of me saying that or putting that out there, that happened. And then I was able to pay off all this debt and the money was just flowing. It was wild. <laughs> it was wild. But do you think there's a reason under that, that it would happen? I think I took the lid off of, you know, whether I believe, you know, that that belief of like, you have to work hard, you have to work hard, you know, that kind of thing. You did, but you did something else. What did I do? <laughs> couple things. One, you were intentional. True. You had an intention. You had an intention to up your income, to pay off your debt. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just looking at things going wrong. What I, what I was hearing is you kind of shifted from looking at the things were going wrong, they were still going wrong, but you shifted to what you wanted it to look like. Right. That's the first thing, and that's important because what you focus on is what you create more of. Mm, so you yeah. keep focusing on problems, you will create more of them. True. You focus on your intentions, on what you want. Then you start, what happens is you start telling your brain, this is what I want, and your brain will start looking for solutions. The second thing you did is you said, what I gather is you actually used the words, I want to be out of debt. I want to make more money. You said those words. Mm -hmm. So the words are powerful. The way we have embedded those old unhealthy beliefs in our brain is by repeating the words, oh, it's hard. It's so hard to make money. Mm -hmm. Whatever it was, that's, you change the words. You create, you reframe, you create new affirmations and you start repeating them over and over. What happens is the part of the brain that was lighting up with the negative starts getting weaker and you start growing new neural pathways for more positive beliefs. And this doesn't mean to take a long time. That's true. So you had, you focused on what you wanted, you stopped, hopefully, but I would recommend everybody stop talking about their old stories and what's not working and start talking about, you know, I, I have this pen and it says, change, um, turn your stories into dreams. In other words, stop telling your old story and start talking about the dreams of what you want. Right. Stop telling the same old sad story because then you'll have the same sad old life. <laughs> That's exactly right. So what you did was really powerful. Yeah, it was really cool. And it, it was sort of the thing you're almost like, whoa, did I do that? <laughs> when it happens, and you know, it, so here's my question. Have you been able to sustain that? 
I was for a good two year period. And then it was like, it shifted because I think my problem was, I was like, Oh, this is probably going to change at some point. I was trying to balance like my style business and I am actually a notary signing agent. So like in the midst of all of the pandemic and the whatever was happening, you know, the rates went down for real estate to unheard of lows. And so as a notary signing agent, I was doing all these settlements for people and that's how I was making all this money. And so I was trying to, in the middle of that, okay, let me set my style business up for success when people come out of the pandemic because nobody was going anywhere. Nobody's dressing, you know, or anything. So nobody was shopping. Nobody was doing any of that. So I wanted to set that side of my business up once we came out of it because I knew there was going to be an, a slowdown for that side. But I sh in a way, I was speaking that into existence, right? Because it was like, oh, you know, even though it was realistic, it's still, I sh probably should have spoken some different words, <laughs> let's just say, because I spoke that into what was happening. So, but my style business has come back up. So it's, you know, I'm working on exploding that, let's just say. So, <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah. Yes. I love that. So, but what, so what legacy do you, Barbara, want to leave the world when you're not here with us anymore? Like all of us are going to be gone at some point, right? What is it that you want people to say about you that how you changed the world when you were here? You know, it's so, I don't, you know, it's funny. I, I it's so simple. I just want the people who knew me to say my life was better because I knew her mm -hmm. and it doesn't need to be about money. I just, I just want to, I want people to feel like being around me has enriched their lives in some way. Yeah. And I would say that because I think I mentioned to you the last time we spoke, when I started reading your overcoming under earning, I wasn't even maybe 15 pages in and I got this random call from some law firm. And I was thinking like, oh my God, did I pay, not pay some bill that's now <laughs> gone to collections and I didn't realize it. And when I called them back, they were telling me about this opportunity where they wanted me to be a shop, like a person, a secret shopper kind of thing for this $3 billion lawsuit that was happening again for a mall management and the Lord and Taylor here locally in Virginia, in Maryland, actually. And they ended up paying me more money than I've ever gotten for any. And it was just the simplest thing I had to do for them. And it happened during right after your talk. So it was just like, Oh my God, Barbara has changed my life already. I haven't, I haven't even really met her. I saw her on a stage. I heard her talk. I bought her book and look what happened. You know, if, if you would, if you would unpack that, and maybe now's not, maybe this, you can't do that now, but I'm just curious if you think something you heard, because something internally shifts, because everything out there is a reflection of what's, is a reflection of our state of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So something happened in your unconscious or your, in your consciousness that shifted for that to happen. Yeah, I think part of it too was even going into Mama Gina's, that was the most I'd spent on any um, program because her program generate, well, the, the mastery program is from like 4,500 to 55, depending on how you end up paying it. And even when I was going into it, I was like, eh, that's a lot of money. Da, da, da. And then something in me said, no, I'm, I want this. This is what I want to do. And literally every month the money showed up to pay the payment. No matter. It just was the randomest thing. Like clients were showing up. It was my desire, I think for wanting it was it. random. 
It wasn't. I don't think, I don't think we live in a random universe. No, we don't. <laughs> but just the way you said that, you paid a lot of money, but no, I'm going to go with it. There was something in the way that you said it in your voice that that had a sense of power to it. Yeah. I'm going to do this. That's what I heard. Mm-hmm. And it is subtle shifts like that. I don't think we realize the subtle shift in our words and our attitude can make a profound difference in what shows up for us. Yeah, that's true. Because if I hadn't gone in there, I wouldn't have seen you. I wouldn't have read the book. I wouldn't have got that other (laughs) opportunity, but it was my decision to to say like, you know what? I got enough money to do the down payment. I don't care. I'll figure it out. It's going to, I want to do this. And like I said, literally it just showed up. It was the crazy. Do you remember what I said? You said, what's the first thing a woman should do? Decide what she wants. And you ask yourself the power question. What do I want? And from that place, when you get, what do I want? When you really hit, what do I want? And you wanted that class. What Mm -hmm. do I want? Something in you shifts. And what I would suggest, remember, there's only two emotions. There's only fear and love. Everything else is either a form of fear or a form of love. That's true. You went from fear to love. This is what I want. And you got into self-love. And I think love is the most powerful emotion. And when you can apply love to money, love to success, you shift the energy. Yeah. I think that's really, yeah, that's more than likely, that's it. (laughs) That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So next time you get scared, you start, and you know, we all have ups and downs in our business. Oh, Lordy, do we ever. Yeah. Um, But it's important to look at what do I want? And then shift your internal conversation to one of self-love. What can I give me that makes me feel good? Mm. What can I do for me? Mm. What am I committed to for me? Yeah. Yeah, having that conversation with yourself is important for sure. Yeah. I think financial success is an act of love. It's an act of self-love because none of us should ever have to be in a situation whether it's a job or an abusive relationship that we can't afford to leave. Mm. And it's a love of others because it's what we can do for our, with our money to, to help others. Right. You can't help anybody else in a burning building if you're on fire. <laughs> that's oh, not going to happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I love that. Well, this has been such an amazing conversation. I just, I adore you. I think you're the the, the bee's knees, as they say in Louisiana. (laughs) So where can everybody follow you or connect with you? Tell us so that all of the listeners can definitely jump into your group coaching. I I love that concept of women doing better in groups than by ourselves. You can reach me through my website, which is barbara dash. Houston, H-U-S-O-N, Barbara-Houston.com. Perfect. And are you on any of the social media platforms like IG or Facebook? Yeah. yeah All yeah. the same, same acronym. Yeah. Okay. And so what do you yeah. have coming up that we can support you on? Anything you're launching, any, any seminars, anything that people can sign up for that's happening right now? Mm, not yet. I have a class going on now, so it's too late to sign up. I'll have something coming up next, next year. Um, but right now, it, I'm focusing on uh, the 
class that I'm teaching over coming under earning and I'm focusing on the wealth connection, my online community. I love it. You're changing the world one woman's pocketbook at a time. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being on with me. I enjoyed our conversation and we definitely have to have you back again. And uh, yeah, I, I loved yeah. it. Thank you. And I'm glad we made it work despite our technical difficulties. <laughs> yes. You know, that was our desire. What did we want? We wanted to have this conversation. So we figured out a way to make it work. <laughs> you figured out a way. Do, do you see how powerful you are? You always figure out a way when you want something. It's true. I was like, there must be something about this conversation that somebody doesn't want us to have because it's going to change somebody's, uh, whether it's one or 20 or 30 or 300 people's lives by hearing what we were talking about, that it w we were being, you know, thwarted. And it was like, no, we're going to have this. <laughs> we're going to have it. So definitely. Thanks for rolling with me because I couldn't do Thank it by you. myself. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Kara. You are so welcome. So thank you. But have a great evening. And yes, we will definitely be in touch and have some more conversations soon. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye.